Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, good afternoon, Canada. Good evening from Doha, Qatar, the World Cup for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus, who did a bang-up job filling in for me yesterday as I live the dream. Canada in the World Cup, and we'll get to that. What a game it was. Not the result that we looked for, but what a performance by our Canadian squad. Cannot wait for the upcoming matches this weekend against Croatia and next week against Morocco. We've got a big show. First, we're going to be talking about two losses. Losses that I think were taken by the fan bases, respectively, in very different ways. The loss by Canada to the number two world-ranked Belgians yesterday here in Qatar at the World Cup. And another thrashing in Minnesota in the Twin Cities for the Winnipeg Jets around the Thanksgiving weekend yesterday. Ugly scoreline and frankly an ugly game and we'll hear from Rick Bonus, who uh, didn't mince his words after his team's performance yesterday in the Twin Cities. We have uh, got some great guests coming up. Brendan Dunlop who uh, many soccer fans will be familiar with his work following the Canadian national team and doing great work at the score and sports that now has a new website Canadian Soccer Daily He's here working as the uh, TSN studio host for the radio broadcast and yesterday got the opportunity to introduce Canada starting 11 for the first Canadian World Cup game in 36 years. He's going to join us in a few minutes to talk about yesterday's matchup, this Canadian squad, what we learned about the team and a look ahead to Canada's path through Group F and what's coming up in the uh, following two games. Of course, we'll talk Jets. Brandon Rewicki is going to jump on with us. And we'll also hear from Rick Bonus, as I mentioned, and later on a little bit more NHL talk with our pal Dave McCarthy, who's going to join us from uh, Sirius XM NHL Radio and NHL.com a little later on. Just before I bring Michael Remus in, have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at CoolBet, who uh, have me here along with my pal Jake Bolin Moss. Make sure to follow the CoolBet Canada Twitter and social media accounts, including Instagram for some of the content that we've got coming out of here. And of course, we're firing out exclusives every day. Our Doha doubles looking good. We've got three goals so far from Portugal. We need two more to cash our ticket today with the Brazilians. That is just underway. If you're watching us live, Brazil-Serbia, the final matchup tonight, the 10 p.m. local start in the final of four games today at the World Cup. Of course, Princess Auto, not Autocorp. Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, and the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Uh, let's get Remus in here and uh, get this thing going. Remo, what is up? How are you, my friend? I'm trying to feel good, Huss. It's Thanksgiving. There's NFL on. That's good. World Cup's happening. But I got a bad taste in my mouth of uh, another Jets road trip to Minnesota around U.S. Thanksgiving. And we have some numbers, some numbers to back that one up. So, um, but it's kind of a nice time of year. I guess there's a lot of deals uh, going on. I saw Real Sports, sponsor of ours, got some serious uh, deals at their store. Uh, so it's kind of a little, a little festive, but, you know, we're talking about two losses here. Not ideal. Yeah, well, the two losses, as I mentioned in the intro, were very different. Um, listen, the Jets game from all reports, and I didn't get a chance to see the entire thing, but it looked pretty ugly. And unfortunately, it was a... Uh, uh, memory 
that a lot of people didn't want to have of some other ugly games. And we'll get to that in a minute. But let's start off with this game yesterday. I mean, I know a lot of people have been seeing the content that we've been cranking out on social media. I have to tell you, uh, I've been incredibly privileged and lucky to take in some incredible events, a number of Super Bowls uh, back in our TSN days, along with Gary Lawless. Um, you know, I went as a fan to the Brady versus Manning at the AFC Championship game a few years ago. Um, certainly everything that we've had with our local teams. Being in that stadium last night and seeing Canada take on Belgium and the incredible turnout of Canadian fans traveling halfway across the world here to Qatar was something I will never forget as long as I live. And, you know, coming out of it, if you had said beforehand that Canada lost to Belgium, nobody would have been surprised. What I think what was surprising was just how well the Canadians played and the fact that we can sit here deservedly frustrated that the Canucks didn't get a better result considering where they played. Um, this was an absolute statement by the Canadian national team that they are here and they are for real. And I, I will tell you both after the game and throughout today, anyone that stopped to talk to us um, wearing our Canadian red and white, mentioned just how impressed they were with Canada yesterday. And we heard it from the Belgians who were quite frustrated with their performance, but, you know, gave a ton of credit to this young, fast, exciting Canadian team for what they did to a world superpower in soccer. And um, I have to tell you, this is, uh, it's still, everything is surreal about this. I, I never know what time it is, what day it is, you know, doing these shows at 10 p.m. local time by the time we finish it's already going to be Friday here uh, but that is a memory that will last for a long time and I have to say Reem coming out of the match the way that Canada played knowing that Croatia and Morocco is coming up next and I'll be at those games I cannot tell you how excited I am both for the experience but also for what our team is capable of um, they're still very much in this right now obviously have to get some results in the next couple games but um if anyone thought that Canada was just happy to be here or maybe wasn't up to the caliber of some of the top teams, I think they answered that in a big way last night here in Qatar. Yeah, I know they didn't score um, yesterday, but I, I will say there's a couple thoughts that I have before we get into the actual. I mean, seeing Canada at the World Cup, uh, you kind of get almost a different feeling than you've ever felt. You've never seen Canada on that world stage. It was, it was extremely cool uh, to finally see. Weren't able to score, but they had that penalty kick that Alfonso Davies took. And, I mean, you almost think, like, what could have been for that? And they had a number of chances, but the the Belgium goalie, uh, he, was, he was on his game yesterday, but Canada, they look like they can compete, and they got two games left. And I'm, you know, excited to see the country rally around uh, Canada soccer, and hopefully they can, well, one, score a goal. That's, that's number one. We've got to get there first, but, you know, get some points, some standing points, of course, as well. Yeah, uh, listen, Alfonso Davies getting the opportunity for that penalty early on. I mean, 10 minutes into the game. And uh, Courtois, I mean, he's the, what, the goaltender for Real Madrid, one of the best in the world, and showed it last night. And we had uh, some Belgians around us that, you know, were talking about basically the way they talk about Courtois, the way I talk about Connor Hellebuck. You realize <laughs> how incredible he is and how important he is to the team. And he was the reason last night. I mean, Canada had possession. They pushed play. They had the opportunities. And, I mean, man, when Kyle Laren came in at the end of the game, um, he was in for, what, 17 minutes or so? 
There was four chances, um, you know, where he had touches inside the scoring area. None of them went in. Um, but man, they just continued pushing the place. And, you know, I, I, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. I mean, I was banging the drum for people to pay attention to this team as we tried to qualify for the world cup. And of course did, and now we're here. Um, but it was even beyond my wildest expectations of the way that they would acquit themselves. And, uh, the fact of the matter is probably deserved a better result. They didn't get it, but in a tournament like this, that is so short, um, you know, you can't do that more than once. So moving forward, huge game on the weekend against Croatia and then another one against Morocco. But um, I can tell you that boots on the ground here, talking to people from around the world that, you know, made a point of coming up to us wearing our Canadian shirts today and saying how impressed they were with the club. Uh, Canada has arrived on the world stage and history will be made with the first goal coming up over the next couple of matches. And I'll tell you what, wouldn't it all surprise me if we see the first win and as we'll talk with Brendan Dunlop coming up in a few minutes, Remo, um, Canada's still very much in this, and um, people are paying attention to our squad right now. Now, we'll talk more about the game and obviously the atmosphere as well. I have to give an incredible shout-out to the Canadians that are here. When I met with some of the local fans, the Voyageurs, the Canadian soccer group that, uh, that supports the club uh, a couple weeks ago at the King's Head before, um, they said that they thought that there'd be like 2,000 people here from Canada. There was way more than that. Um, if you saw some of the Instagram posts I put in the story yesterday, I mean, the scene outside beforehand, there was lots of Belgians, but there was a ton of Canadians. And down from the left of where my seats were in the end zone, you had three, four sections full of Canadians that in a lot of ways took over that stadium. The spirit of the Canadian soccer fans that made the trip last night um, took that atmosphere to a whole nother level, something I don't think I ever expected to experience in my lifetime. And that was another one of the big takeaways, that as much as Canada as a team has arrived and can play with the best, the Canadian fans, Reem, are, uh, are, are have arrived as well. And if you're seeing this picture right now, the, uh, <laughs> the Mounties were there. Um, there were so many great get-ups, uh, hats, outfits, and more. Um, and, of course, there was the seats from the game last night. Shout-out to Coolbet. We got taken care of big time last night. couple unexpected things uh, when we showed up at the game, both how good our seats were and the fact that we ended up in a lounge where, yes, in fact, there was beer service, folks. Not Bud Zeros, but actual beers. So that was a nice little change. I thought we might be going dry for the full two weeks. That wasn't the case last night, but um, all joking aside, it was about the spirit of our country, the people that have made that trip. And of course, a squad that I think has people legitimately excited for what's to come both at this world cup and over the course of the next four years, when Canada, the United States and Mexico will be hosts for the big event. And uh, we will be in, it was um an incredible experience that just seems to be getting better right now over here. Yeah. I love seeing uh, the pictures and your social media. You actually did uh, break the internet yesterday morning with your uh, cool bet picks from shirtless in the pool. But uh, I know a lot of, I posted. <laughs> what did you think about that? What did you think? I mean, you're a big social media guy. Um, what, what rating would you give me on my pool promo for got, everyone in the morning? You got a lot of engagement on the tweet, so that's all that matters, what I think. you got It worked. Whatever you did, it worked. Uh, I think Gary Lawless tweeted at you, uh, that was a bold choice or something like that, which I would agree with, but I'm not going to argue 
Uh, got people talking, got engagement. So that's, I mean, that's what you can do. So I knew, I knew I was going to get roasted, uh, but I didn't care. I was ready for it. I was fired up. I had a lot of energy. Uh, I needed to spend some time in the pool. And I said, what the hell? This is an incredible background. And I mean, for those of you that haven't seen it, I mean, the spot we're staying at right now is, um, it's incredible. Everything here is beautiful. Everything here is new for the most part. And, um, it was, uh, it was the place to do it. I didn't mind taking the bullets on social media. Most people had some fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. The bottom line was the promo was exactly what I was saying. I mean, I know we were five to one underdogs going into that matchup, but as I said, who cares? We have had, uh, some huge upsets so far. As I mentioned, none bigger than the first game that I really watched in a public setting, the stunning upset of the Argentinians by Saudi Arabia, who going into the game were 26 to one underdogs. Um, so I think there really is, and there really should be a why not us mentality for Canadian soccer fans right now. And listen, despite the fact that Canada lost yesterday, it was a zero zero draw between Morocco and Croatia earlier. So, um, if Canada can go and play the way they did yesterday against the Belgians in our next two matches, anything is possible to get out of this group right now. So, um, yes, there's been a lot of fun content wise with Jake and the Kubet gang. And there has been uh, a lot of fun in the stands and around here right now. And, um, you know, the, the one thing is right now, and it's tough, um, you know, because of course I want to be able to be, we're doing the shows, um, you know, it really occupies most of my evening every day. So we'll get out a little bit in the afternoon. I'm going to try to get to a maybe an earlier game at some point next week. Probably see if you can uh, hold it down maybe next Tuesday. And I think we might go to that late USA-Iran game. Um, but the idea here, first and foremost, is to be out there supporting the Canadian team. And we were there last night. It's a memory I will never forget. And uh, bring on these next two games against Croatia, and Morocco, um, the world's woken up to the fact that Canada soccer has arrived. Now it's time to take that next step, score that goal, get that first win. And who knows what will happen once we play the Moroccans next week, depending on what uh, result Canada can get against a Croatia team. Let's not forget that was the runner up in the 2018 World Cup in Russia. Yeah, real, ex real exciting uh, seeing Canada perform. Yesterday at the World Cup, I know a lot of people, we talk about hockey analytics, you know, there's also soccer analytics and Canada's expected goals uh, looking pretty strong yesterday and hopefully they can carry that in and put some actual goals um, on the score sheet on Sunday, yeah, can next game. And, and we saw it, by the way, I mean, the other incredible result was the uh, Japanese upsetting the Germans with two late goals to turn a one nothing deficit into 2-1 win. And that's one of the coolest things about this. Um, you know, we saw some Japanese fans at the game and people were just applauding them and they were so excited. I mean, it's uh, uh, I'll tell you what, when this event does come to North America, uh, if you are kind of like me, that's really got into this in the recent few years. I mean, listen, we all love our women's team and they have been just so incredible for growing the game here in our country. Um, but I mean, the scope of the men's World Cup is arguably the biggest event on the planet every four years. And when it comes to North America, um, we will have a team that is far more established. Um, and let's face it, there'll be more opportunities for people here without having to travel all the way to the Middle East to go see 
the greatest tournament in the world. So we're really looking forward to that. We're going to talk about this with Brendan Dunlop coming up in a few minutes. Um, that was the loss that I think we can really feel good about yesterday. The one that I don't think many people, including Rick Bonus, were feeling too good about was a 6-1 thumping for the Winnipeg Jets at the hands of the Minnesota Wild. And well, I don't know. This is a mystery to me because with the Minnesota Mafia on the club and how much Minnesota... Um, I mean, Minnesota players, we have the big contingent. Like, I don't know whether you guys are having like big family dinners before and are just not feeling up to the game, but um, man, incredibly disappointing results year after year, right around American Thanksgiving, whether it's on the Friday as it's been before or yesterday on the Wednesday going into the weekend. Um, that was a really poor performance and something that just, uh, as Rick Bonus said, not up to the standard that this team, frankly, has set so far this year. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I should be concerned about the Jets' record on the road, but they don't seem to have that complete game on the road like we've seen at home. You know, they did get some wins. Um, what, in that L.A. game where they played pretty rough and the Vegas one, they, uh, they got a point. But you look at the performance in Arizona when they got the overtime win, it wasn't their best. Um, you look at the other games, what the Dallas road one, you know, they lost by a goal in Calgary, even the Seattle one, they got, they won overtime, but it wasn't, wasn't their best. And all their best games have been at home. I don't know if there's some kind of correlation, uh, correlation there, but, um, I find it interesting. They're home. It, it, they don't look as, um, committed to their game plan, I guess that we've seen at home compared to the road. Uh, I could be off base, but I did see someone else mention in the chat and we, they talked about it on the broadcast yesterday. Last year, uh, the Black Friday afternoon game, uh, they were in Minnesota. They lost 7-1. Yesterday was 6-1. And if you look at the Jets uh, since returning to Winnipeg, when they play in Minnesota on Black Friday or the day before Thanksgiving, their record is 1-4. They did get a win in 2015. They won 3-1. But in 2016, November 23, they lost 3-1. And on 2018, November 23, they lost. Or one come out with the last year and this year. So I don't know around Thanksgiving. I don't know. It wasn't, I guess Blake Wheeler's dad. I know he read out the lineup card, didn't give them uh, the spark that they needed. And, you know, we talked with, uh, Jesse. put this on Wheeler's dad. Yeah. You know, he, the guy who read the lineup card didn't give them the spark they needed. Is that where we're going with Look, this? We got to talk for two hours. <laughs> got to come up with some kind of content here. Obviously, I mean, I don't think it had, impact on the game but you're looking at anything like why are they coming out and laying such an egg here around thanksgiving in minnesota and for a minnesota team that had struggled to score we talked yesterday in the show with jesse uh, pierce of nhl.com and bar down beauty's podcast um she's just talking about their inability to score and well maybe some of the goals were fluky uh you know a couple bounce you know bouncing up in the air and landing landing in there but there were some nice ones as well, and they were around the net and, and putting a bunch in past Hellbuck, and the Jets really um, couldn't answer, although Cole Perfetti, he was, he was robbed. You know, maybe they get one, some momentum changes, and you thought going into the third, they could pick it up, but they really weren't able to, and Minnesota just pulled away. Well, you know, as, uh, as much as last night's game stunk, let's not lose sight of the fact that today is American Thanksgiving, Remus and the Winnipeg Jets are in a playoff spot. So while I know some people were somewhat discouraged yesterday, and I know many people are hearkening back to, for instance, last season with that ass-kicking the Jets took and what happened over the course of the next couple of weeks, I think we know that this is a different team, certainly a different atmosphere around the club, and a very different message from the head coach. And 
the one thing that I loved about the game or the aftermath of the game was the frankness of Rick Bonus, um, who um, you know was not about to just flush it and move on, um, was to address it. And uh, let's get to some of these Bones clips because he was spitting fire after the game, as you would expect. I'm sure he was speaking for many of the fans as well with what um, with what they saw yesterday. And um, let's start it off with clip number one. I mean, Bones uh, basically gave uh, a bit of his synopsis on uh, what happened for the Winnipeg Jets last night and what didn't. No, we don't flush it. Not a chance. Not letting that go. Um, I, I think one of the concerns, you know, there's some concerns with how we played. The lack of discipline is, a, is really bothering me tonight. Penalties at the wrong time, turnovers at the wrong time, yapping at the refs. Uh, th- those things lead, lead into uh, other issues, but you know, clearly not our best effort. Uh, our, our best line was the fourth line. Give them a lot of credit. We got killed on face-offs, so we're chasing the game way too much. So we, we, we got to fix that. Um, but it's, it's the lack of discipline that really bothered me tonight. And then, like, there's different, form, different forms of discipline. Don't. It's not just the penalties. It's, it's the turnovers. It's the penalties at the wrong time. Um, yeah, it's all those little things that caught up to us tonight. All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus after the game yesterday. And um, listen, I think most Winnipeg Jet fans, we hear it daily on this program, and certainly I hear it when we're talking to people in the community at the games. I mean, they are ready to ride with Rick Bonus for a number of reasons. Number one, I mean, what he's been able to do with this club, changing the systems, getting buy-in, getting much better defensive play, but also the frank honesty that, uh, you know, he speaks to his players, but also speaks to the media and to Winnipeg Jet fans. And, Remo, that is something that I think was lacking, was missing for a long time around here. And um, I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate it, and I think most fans do. Um, And so far, it's had a great effect on this team right now. And I'm really interested to see how they look coming up as they continue this road trip after a pretty ugly performance, considering what we just heard from the head coach. Yeah, I love uh, hearing that from Rick Bonus. I mean, how many times in the past have you heard, oh, we're going to burn the tape, we're going to flush it, and we're going to forget about it and go on to the next one? And he was the exact opposite. He's like, we're not going to forget about it. We're, we're going to learn from this. I mean, uh, here's why. I didn't like what I saw. And he mentions yapping at the refs and discipline. I know uh, Cole Perfetti took a, what, a retaliatory penalty. Like, here, Luke Dubois... Gets his arm whole, arm stuck in a player. He raises the other arm like, hey, I'm not doing anything. Meanwhile, he stops skating. The other guy's trying to trying to skate away and not able to. That was that was an odd one. Um, I mean, they did take some some bad penalties. You look at the penalty kill. Minnesota was, uh, or sorry, power play. Minnesota was two for five on their power play. Jets, you know, they had two power plays. Uh, couldn't capitalize. Just all around was a rough one. And I think you love, I mean, you hear that from the coach. You love that. And I think... Makes you want to buy in to come and be better for the next one. No doubt about it. Let's get a little bit more bones from last night's game. And uh, he compared last night's loss to, um, well, the last time where they really played the way he wants them to play for a full 60. Yeah, well, and again, okay, so yeah, this, I'm not a believer in these, like, you learn lessons. I'm a firm believer that there's, there's harsh reminders of how to play this game the right way. 
harsh reminders of, of how to win in this league. And one of the things we talked about after the game is that, you know, we're, we're, we're at the, these teams are chasing us now. All right, two things with that. Take pride in the fact that you're there, but also take the responsibility that comes with being on a good team. There's responsibility that comes with that, of being prepared and playing with discipline and playing the right way. Uh, none of those things we did tonight. You know, and listen, I, I don't want to, and I've said that I try not to do this and compare it to the old, uh, the old regime, but I can't help but listen to that quote from Rick Bonus saying that he had just had this conversation with the Winnipeg Jets. And remember that Paul Maurice said that he really talked to the team after the club, uh, after these games. And uh, it just seems like it's a totally different way of doing things right now. And um, so far, it's really benefited the club. And certainly, as we mentioned, we're at U.S. Thanksgiving right now, which is a very good sign if a team is in a playoff spot. And that is exactly where they are. And um, you know, Rick Bonus didn't wait to address last night's game with this club, did it after the game. And then, you know, as we heard, here's a little bit more from Bones on uh, just his disappointment with uh, the way his club looked last night in the Twin Cities against the Wild. Did you see, Rick, maybe the most disappointing was the way you played in the third? Because you guys had kind of gotten back into the game and really grabbed momentum there yeah. towards the end of the second. Yeah, it, we did. And then it's that penalty and that power play goal they got. And all of a sudden, it's a whole different game. That last 10 minutes. Like, you, Listen, they got you saw those two first two goals. They're fluky goals. Right. But that happens in hockey. That, that's going to happen. We hit some posts. We had some empty nets that we missed, they get back in it, and we didn't score. They're like So there's a, there's points in the game where a timely goal will get you back in the game and make up for those fluky goals. That's hockey, you can't you can't worry about those things. But we didn't we didn't capitalize. And so when you don't capitalize on that, uh, it doesn't give you momentum and it gives the other team a little bit of a jump. So. All right, there is a Rick bonus. Remo, I'm gonna play number five next if you wanna get that one ready. And this sort of speaks to what I had just said about, you know, addressing the team after the game. That's very different um, than what had happened in the past. And um, Bones did talk about his philosophy of addressing the team right after a game like that. Based on a coaching philosophy, it sounds like you talked to the team after the game. So some coaches might not even go in the room and just let the players kind of mull over that. What's your philosophy well, on there's, that? There's, there's, there's times that you do that. I didn't think tonight was the right time because I want them to take pride in the fact that teams are ready. Now, this team had five days off. They're rested. They've had good practices. Um, they've worked on their specialty teams. They had a lot of jump in their legs. Um, that being said, I want our players to learn to take pride in the fact that we are where we are in the league. And there's a responsibility that comes with that. That's the message I wanted. So you're right. There's times you let it go. And okay, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Things are going to happen like that. I get it. But the the more most important message to me was that, like, okay, we're, you want to be at top of the league. There's a responsibility that comes with that. And be, but take pride in that. All right. So there's Rick Bonus. Now um, I mentioned. Courtois, the netminder for uh, the goaltender for uh, Belgium in the big game that he played. And, you know, he in a lot of ways was the Connor Hellebuck for Belgium last night, really putting his team on his shoulders. And there's an interesting play last night where Rick Bonus made a goalie interference challenge at the request of Hellebuck that was not successful. 
Um, here's bonus on why he decided uh, what the, the thought process was into challenging that call. Okay. No, his stick was clearly in our goalie skate. Clearly in our. Listen, there's going to be battles around the net. You're still responsible for your stick in our eyes. And his stick clearly goes under uh, Connor's stick, his skate, and knocks it down. So the, the, this goalie interference, it, it's a gray area. It, it is. And but it's it's worth when we saw that and and and, uh, and Connor you know kind of mentioned it motion to the bench and uh, I'm going to support Connor. He made the right call. And if he if he looks at me and says he thinks it's goal interference, I will go with him 100. percent All right, there's uh, Rick Bonus uh, having the back of his all-star goaltender, and um, it was interesting though. I think many people thought that maybe Connor Hellebuck you know maybe should have you know, been given the rest of the night off at a certain point. That did not happen. Here's Bones on uh, not pulling Hellebuck last night in an off night for the guys in front of him. Listen, they want to finish the game. And he's a competitive guy. I love the guy and I love his compete. And I know he he wasn't that fault. It wasn't what, it's not like, okay, the goalie's having a bad night. That wasn't the case at all. So uh, let him finish the game. I love the guy and let him compete. All right. Uh, there's Rick Bonus. Um, given uh, his uh, admiration for Connor Hellebuck, who's been such a big part of the Jets' success this year and in the past, um, it seems like a pretty good relation between the coach. And, uh, hey, he wants to be in there. He wants to st- stick it out with his teammates. He did that last night. We'll hope that he and the entire team can be a much better unit when they take on the Dallas Stars. Now, we will talk more about this with Brandon Rewicki coming up. We are going to get back to the World Cup because we've got Brendan Dunlop jumping on in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Before we do that, I do want to thank everyone that has sent in nominees for the Unsung Hero Program we put together with Josh Morrissey and our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Um, If you've missed this, folks, um, we've teamed up with Wallace & Wallace the Dream Factory, and of course, Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets, who is the uh, spokesperson and ambassador for the Dream Factory. And we're looking for unsung heroes in our community that are doing great things selflessly and quietly to make Winnipeg and Manitoba a better place. We're talking about people that selflessly give their time to charities, charity work, charity times. Obviously, minor sports right now is run on the backs of volunteers, people that are making a difference at the local community club, um, as well as maybe just helping out neighbors in need. What we need from you, Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners, is to tell us about these unsung heroes in our community. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about the unsung hero in your life, in your community. And what we're going to be doing is telling some of these stories throughout the month. And at the end of each month, Josh Morrissey has kindly donated a autographed jersey, which we'll be giving to an unsung hero each and every month. And Wallace and Wallace is going to be making a $500 donation in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated that unsung hero to the Dream Factory, and Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to be matching that donation 
for another 500 bucks. So we're going to be getting $1,000 every month to the Dream Factory. We'll be telling some great stories of people, both in sports and outside of sports, making a difference in our community. And cannot thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace enough for coming together with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk to make this happen. Again, the email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about these great people making a difference in our community. Um, we got to give a shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply because if you've missed the memo, folks, December is the holidays. It's also Marbles Month. You can take the 12 days of Christmas. We'll give you the 12 days of marbles. And when I get back from Qatar, we will be having 12 races where we'll be qualifying three our top three finishers in the marble race for the marble race of 2022, our final act of the year. We'll be putting in all the qualifiers to win a pair of Winnipeg Blue Bombers season tickets for 2023, courtesy of our friends at Consolidated Supply. So we will do marbles as normal on Friday and then another week. And then when I'm back, 12 consecutive days of marbles heading into Christmas. And then the final show of 2022, we'll have the big race the Consolidated Supply Marbles Tournament of Champions on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, check out cte.ca for everything the Consolidated Supply has going on. They are your first choice for golf, golf carts, irrigation, artificial turf, small engine repair and small engine parts, not to mention hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, and amazing landscaping options to make your bath, uh, backyard the oasis of your dreams. Again, they're at 1395 Niagara Road East and online at their new website at cte.ca. And uh, have to thank our friends at Vita Health for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, you know Vita Health is the place for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. But November is considered Men's Health Month, and choosing the right natural products are key. Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus from Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Vita Health Fresh Market empowering people to lead healthy lives since 1936 as a family-owned business here in Winnipeg, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. All right, Rewiki coming up with more on the Winnipeg Jets. I know he'll have some takes on the Canada-Belgium matchup as well in the World Cup, but right now, let's stay here in Doha, Qatar, and welcome in Brendan Dunlop from Canada CanadianSoccerDaily.com. What's going on, Brendan? Thanks so much for doing this. How are you? Hey, yeah, no, it's great to uh, talk to you and talk to someone else uh, that's Canadian. There's a lot of us here in Doha, which is which is pretty special, man, and pretty surreal. Well, I, I got to tell you, and I know you were probably there inside earlier because of uh, a pretty cool role you had last night. But I have to tell you, I mean, we got there a few hours before the game. Uh, I was blown away. I'd hooked up with some of the Voyagers that were making the trip in Winnipeg. And they had said that you know, they were expecting a couple thousand that were coming. There was at least that last night, if not more. The The vibe of the Canadian soccer experience here has been really incredible. And we saw it firsthand last night. It was amazing, right? I mean, this whole team has been talking about this new Canada. That was a moniker they took from John Herdman. That's how they played through qualifying. Every time they face adversity, it was, you know, forget the obstacles of the past. Forget the things that would get in the way. Forget about the the doubt that you have because things always went wrong for Canada. This is a new Canada. 
part of that new Canada experience, which I wrote in my article was the fans and, and being overwhelmingly the dominant fan group against one of the best sides in the world. You know, there's a lot of reasons in Belgium aren't the only European country, especially that haven't traveled as well as they do in previous world cups. Canada came out in full force and you felt it in that stadium. You know, there may have been 5,000, the Canada soccer estimated that maybe 3000 Canadians made the trip to Doha. There's a huge Canadian expat population in Qatar. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was quite a few that uh, had made the, the short flight over from, from Dubai as well to, to come out and fill out. It sounded like there was 15,000 in there and it, it started, you know, an hour before that. Ooh, ah, Canada chats, uh, chants were amazing. And uh, yeah, I was there early and just hearing the anthems actually in rehearsal three and a half hours before and a big frog in my throat. So it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. I'm very happy to be here with the, uh, the infotainment team. So I was part of the in-stadium production, uh, which means I got to read out the, uh, the squad, the first World Cup starting 11 in 36 years. Um, that's a career highlight, buddy. That's something I'm not going to forget. Anytime soon. I-, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, of course, a lot of people familiar with the work you've done here in Canada, focusing out, uh, you know, a lot on soccer. I mean, you're very yeah. familiar in that. Um, this has been, I mean, it's been all about the women for the last number of years and now the men have finally done it. But, um, I mean, that entire scene before it to be right in the middle and announcing Alfonso Davies and these men that have done something we haven't seen in 36 uh, years must've been, must've been incredible for you personally. Yeah, it was really special. You know, stadium announcing being uh, Mark Strong at the Raptors games, Jersey, that's not really in my wheelhouse. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was really special to, know uh, share that moment with all those fans that made this journey you know that it was the first time canada's played at a world cup in my lifetime i was born in 86 but i was born a few months afterwards obviously i wouldn't have remembered it anyway um so to to see those players out there and put on the performance they did against one of the best sides in the world like if anyone had told you a few months ago that canada would go to a world cup lose to belgium one nil and we'd all have reason to be upset because canada should have won you would have asked them what substance they were under the influence of you know, like no one would have believed it. Although that was the case. And just quickly on the anthem, I mean, listen, you know, being, you know, involved in sports for so long, we've heard the anthem thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Um, being there a part of that crowd and knowing what was about to happen and hearing and singing Oh Canada with so many Canadians, I got to say, was a bucket list and highlight moment that I will honestly never forget. I'll also never forget that game. Um, you know, listen, I, I, I think like a lot of people had a like high hopes but we went into the game knowing, man, the Belgians are the number two team ranked in the world. We're Canada. We're happy to be here. Um, the guys that were wearing those jerseys last night didn't play like they were happy to be there. I mean, we know the result wasn't what we wanted. But I walked away from that game, you know, feeling incredibly excited and optimistic about what is still possible in this World Cup. Um, I mean, what was your reaction to the way the team played for that full 90 minutes and the way... I thought they worked the Belgians. I thought they were frankly the better team for most of the yesterday's 90 minutes. Absolutely. The better team doesn't always win football matches. And that's the difference at this level. You know, you got to take your chances. And obviously that penalty save, um, Thibaut Courtois is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You can look at it and say it wasn't the best penalty from Fonzie. You can look at it and question why Jonathan David didn't step up to the penalty spot. Um, there were quite a few chances Canada had afterwards. I don't think they lost that match because Alfonso Davies had Davies had his uh, penalty save there. Um, but the real difference is, you know, when Belgium had an opportunity, Michi Batshuayi is a proven finisher and a Champions League goal scorer. That's the difference at this level. You do have this, this degree of eliteness that uh, allows you to succeed in those situations. And that's exactly what Belgium rode. And they were seemed very frustrated and dejected in their, in their post-match uh, press conferences and, and comments as well. Um, 
so disappointed in themselves that they had to ride their star goalkeeper uh, in order to get to a situation there where they were able to win. And, uh, you know, Mishi Betchewai's goal, um, Eden Hazard serves that ball over. And I was kind of lined up right in front of Mishi Betchewai. And as soon as I realized he was in a position to actually receive the ball, it wasn't going to go past him, I knew it was going in. And uh, so when it did, it was a, it was a real gut punch, as, it, as I'm sure it was for a lot of Canadians. But a lot of uh, a lot of Canadians that were in that ground or watched at home agree with you that if, if they can play like that, that is the bar now. If they can play like that against Croatia and against Morocco, there's no reason to think that Canada doesn't have a real chance of still getting out of this group. Uh, Brendan, I'm from, uh, I mean, I don't want to say necessarily, I mean, I don't wouldn't be able to speak to the tactics, I mean, at a high level like you. But, I mean, what stood out about Canada's performance um, as far as the game went? What did we do so successfully to be able to have the chances, have the shots that we did? And um, was that was that the best-case scenario for what you thought that this team was capable of, minus getting one pass Courtois? I tell you, I didn't expect them to be able to press uh, and be as effective as they were in holding the ball for as long as they did. Um, you saw in the last maybe 15 minutes, you know, some tired legs naturally that happens, but the intensity, which they played that entire first half and then came out in the second half um, uh, and just suffocated Belgium, really, you know, they, that's an old back line. Belgium have the oldest team at this world cup at just over an average age of, of 30 years old, but Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, very experienced former Premier league defenders. They're well past it. You know, there's a lot of Belgians very concerned that uh, they were in the squad, let alone starting and relied upon. So obviously with the attacking threats that Canada have and, um, you know, the athleticism that we saw all through CONCACAF, you knew that was going to be a strength for Canada. They really found a way to to make uh, Belgium stress and put a lot of stress on them, you know, for a long time. I, I thought that would happen in moments. I'd hoped it would happen for maybe the first 20 minutes of the first half an hour. Um, that was the case for probably about 74 minutes of that match, which really is incredible. A testament to their fitness, a testament to their planning, a testament to their belief. And that's the thing with John Herman, right? He, he had them believing that they could go out there and win that game. And then when it ended, he had them all knowing that they sh- probably should have won that game based on how they played. And so they'll use that fuel to uh, go into the next one Sunday against Croatia, which can't come soon enough for me, man. We in sports and in the media always focus on the stars, and Alfonso Davy is a world-class international superstar. Of course, there was the missed penalty or the save penalty by Courtois. He had some great moments, but um, who else stood out to you in the uh, in the Canadian lineup yesterday that acquitted themselves well, that you know maybe announced themselves as real stars on a world scale in the World Cup yesterday night? I thought Kamal Miller was huge. Center back, plays for CF Montreal. I think there was a lot of people back home that thought, you know, the defense is the real weakness for this team, that they go and, and play the, some of the best teams in the world, and they were rather unlucky to be drawn against two of the best teams in Europe in this group, that they're going to be exploited at the back. Kamal Miller was massive. He was involved in so many blocks. He, he, uh, he marked so well, uh, and it's, he's a great tandem with Stephen Vittoria, who has a, a bit more European experience, but at 35 years old, you know, isn't as fast as he once was either. I just thought as a tandem, they were, they were excellent. Um, I thought uh, that Alfonso Davies recovered very well. Obviously, after after having that penalty saved, um, it didn't. You would never have known if you just started watching in the twelfth minute. You wouldn't have known that he just missed uh, the opportunity to to be make history and be the uh, the first World Cup goal scorer for for Canada. Um, you you would never have known that that was just uh, moments away from happening. You know, he he really put that aside. There's a few players that are, are really going to announce themselves. Uh, already, some some rumors about Alistair Johnson. Uh, Celtic are swirling around the CF Montreal defender. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if Alistair Johnson 
Kamal Miller had new places and we're not in Montreal and MLS this season. You know, for someone that's followed this team for so long, I have to admit, I mean, seeing Ativa Hutchinson out there um, is, I believe, the oldest player in this World Cup, quoted mm-hmm. himself very well. But, uh, I mean, what a great story he is. And Can you speak to how much he's meant to Canada soccer and the rise of this program being there from some pretty dark days and now being here at the uh, the pinnacle of the sport? Atiba Hutchinson is incredible. You know, he he really is Captain Canada in so many ways. He flew the flag for the men's program when people weren't paying any attention and when it was very easy to ignore. And it's there's a lot of people that were just so thrilled that Atiba Hutchinson was able to fulfill a, a childhood dream. You know, no one really deserved that more than Atiba Hutchinson. 39 years old, uh, it seemed as though, you know, his national team days were done. I bet you if he asked him 10 years ago uh, if he thought he'd still be playing professionally at that level, that level let alone leading his nation out of the World Cup against one of the best teams in the world, a, t- a team that many still think have a chance of, of winning the World Cup, you know, he never would have believed you. So uh, I'm really glad for, for Atiba and for his family. He's put in so much to, to the program and, and really um, just to be rewarded for, you know, all of those air miles and all of those bumps and bruises over the years, traveling through CONCACAF, playing these tiny nations, uh, playing in uh, against teams that had no business sharing the pitch with, for them to be out there and show that they belong, show that they could hang against Belgium, it was just, you know, it was it was just too perfect. I'm really glad that he was healthy enough to uh, to start and lead the country out. Hey, I, I want to ask you about one other player. I mean, of course, Davies and Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren, who came in, was very, very impactful when he was on the pitch. I mean, we talk about the guys that are normally scoring goals. They get the headlines. Uh, t- for people that are not familiar with, tell us about Estacchio, how mm. important he is for Canada, and um, what sort of player we have in the midfield making uh, making a real impact for the red and white. Stephanie Estacchio is my favorite player on this team. Um, I know my name doesn't give it away, but I'm half Portuguese, and he is the Portuguese prince. He is incredible. He's playing for FC Porto in the Champions League. They uh, they won their group, if I'm not mistaken, in the Champions League this year. He was playing for a much smaller club um, even just last season. When he made the move to Porto, some people thought it was a move too soon. He's incredible. Uh, he's someone who had the opportunity to, to play for Portugal. He played for Portugal at youth level. Um, John Herdman was aware of his Canadian eligibility. He was born in Leamington. I'm from Windsor, so there's that southwestern Ontario bias that we naturally share, uh, too. There's you know, not, uh, not too many people that go out in the, in the world and do so, some big things uh, from, from, from that region. So uh, naturally, uh, a big fan of his. But he showed uh you know in just a clip that's gone viral with a nutmeg putting the ball through the legs of kevin de bruyne uh, arguably the best player in the premier league right now um that he can also play at that level and uh, to go back to the point about him playing for portugal you know i i truly believe um there wasn't a single person that thought he had any chance when he committed to canada i believe he was 20 years old that he had any chance of, of playing for portugal um i'm really glad john herdman capped him because i think he would have started for portugal against ghana today if, uh, if he hadn't become uh, a Canadian national team player. Brandon Dunlop is with us also here in Qatar, getting ready for uh, more Canada at the World Cup. Listen, the performance was great. We didn't get the result. There's still lots of work to do. Um, with the tie between Mar- Morocco and Croatia, give us the landscape of the group right now. Um, it's quite clear we got to win. we got to get three points right now. But um, what were the takeaways from the first game on both sides of the group and Canada's path right now heading into the big match against the Croatians, who, of course, were in the final of the last World Cup in Russia? 
There was this big narrative, though, about Croatia that they're old and slow, and particularly in the midfield, that uh, they're not the team that they were four years ago. And that is, they are not the team that they were four years ago. I don't think that they're as slow or certainly as old as people like to say. I think that's kind of an easy narrative to, to fall on. It's low-hanging fruit. Luka Modric is arguably playing as well as he did when he won the Ballon d'Or uh, that year in 2018. He is aging like a fine wine. He's always going to be a threat. And so is uh, Kovacic, who plays for Chelsea. So is Brozovic, who plays for Inter Milan. They have a lot of weapons. But I truly believe if Canada can play the way they did against Belgium, that they will beat Croatia. Because I don't think Croatia is that good. They, they are a few notches behind what they were in 2018. You know, Morocco can be a real threat. They're a real wild card. I think a lot of people uh, were surprised by maybe how well they went toe-to-toe and blow-for-blow blow with, with Croatia. But to come out of Africa, you're a good side. There are some great teams that are not here. And several of them are African, including Egypt, um, Nigeria, um, Algeria. So for Morocco to be here, you know, can't take them lightly. Uh, Hakim Ziyech from Chelsea is an incredible player, uh, very talented and crafty, very dangerous, very much kind of in the Canadian mold of Tejan Buchanan, Alfonso Davies' threats. Um, so Canada have that to deal with. Uh, Canada's defense, anyway, have that to deal with. And Hakim Ziyech at PSG is, is one of the best fullbacks in the world, you know, right up there with Alfonso Davies, our very own. So Morocco will be a real threat. But uh, I really, you know, I always thought that that match against Croatia, that's the one that Canada could really cement themselves uh, a, you know, a place on the world stage with a victory. Uh, and after seeing how they played against Belgium, I, I truly do think that's possible. If they get one point against Croatia and go out there against Morocco, they're going to leave it all out there. And I wouldn't bet against them. You know, they could, uh, they, they could snatch four points um, via that scenario, drawing, drawing on Sunday against Croatia. Before coming here, I, I only saw two scenarios. I thought Canada's going to get four points or they're going to get zero. They're not going to get zero. They're not going to get zero points in this tournament. Uh, just the way that they play the fight um, and the, the belief that they have going up against that opposition. I truly think that the fixture list has worked in their favor. Having Belgium first was perfect. Because had they lost 6-0 or 3-0 or 1-0 as they did, it was all house money. The fact that they went toe-to-toe toe toe with them, bring on the next opponents. What's the, what's the significance of the 0-0 tie, uh, the draw between, uh, between Morocco and Croatia? And could four points for Canada be enough to actually get second in the group and move on? Four points could be enough. Yeah, that's exactly why scoreless matters because it means that they don't have any other tiebreaker. You know, they did take the point, but it wasn't any goals for that uh, Canada have to worry about. So it makes for very simple math. That's why people get excited by scoreless draws and opposing games when you're uh, when you're looking for a result at the end. Um, we've heard a lot from uh, many Canadian players on social media, and of course, we heard a pretty pretty interesting and motivating interview from John Herdman at the end of the game. I mean, what? Uh, what do you believe that this result has done within that locker room heading into the Croatia match on the weekend? In that change room, I think it confirmed what John Herdman already knew. I think it confirmed what they've you know, been hearing and uh, believed themselves, but maybe had some doubt about because it just it sounds so surreal, you know, to to be Canadian and be at a at a point where you are trading blows with Belgium like that and and show over ninety minutes that you belong there. Um, I think that's something that. We all wanted to believe that a lot of those players felt, you know, it was true, but now they saw it, they have proof of that. So I, I really think that that's, that's what it confirmed that there, if there was a fraction of doubt, and I really don't think there was much at all, but it's natural. We're all human, right? We forget that these athletes are, are human beings. There's distractions, there's natural self doubt. Um, you can get on yourself very easily, uh, you know, uh, at levels below this, let alone at this, this is the, the top level playing at the world cup. 
there's no doubt now. There's no doubt that this team belongs here and that they can play with anybody. So I, I just want to see that against Croatia in what's going to be different because it'll be earlier, um, be slightly warmer, although uh, won't, the sun won't be an issue. Um, but uh, it, it might be a couple of degrees warmer. I think it's good that they get a variation, um, but I really think that the night game was was perfect, that the fans were behind them, and no doubt that the, those fans will be here pushing them forward uh, throughout the tournament. I cannot wait to get out there for the next game, and of course the Morocco game. Brendan Dunlop's with us. He's the co-founder of Canadian Soccer Daily. Uh, Brendan, if you could, tell folks that are listening right now about the new site, the content you have, and uh, got to say, loved everything you had coming out of the weekend, but uh, I think this will be a great, great project and something that I think a lot of people that are getting involved with this men's team for the first time with the excitement and uh, help them follow the team and learn more about it. Fill us in on the new project. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, CanadianSoccerDaily.com. It's it's my new thing. You know, we've seen some great written content over the years. There's some great places for it. But soccer really hasn't had one dedicated source for that. And, you know, this is a, kind of a passion project, something I've always hoped was there. And so uh, to be a part of it and finally get it off the ground now, it's such an important time for Canadian soccer. It's incredible. You know, we all love the game and we watch it in many different ways and from many different places. This, it is the world's game. And Canadian Soccer Daily is the world's game through a Canadian lens. So happy to shine some light on stories that are already you know, being talked about and reported, the big stories that, that matter from the Premier League and the Champions League. But everything has got a Canadian spin on it because you know, that's how we're watching it, through our Canadian eyes. So to also uh, add to the spotlight and shine some stories on Major League Soccer and Canadian Premier League stories, you know, can never get enough, uh, enough soccer content in this country. Well, check out the website, folks. It's CanadianSoccerDaily.com and make sure to give them a follow on Twitter as well at CanSoccerDaily. Brendan, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was amazing to hear your voice and see you getting that great role yesterday. And uh, thank you. let's uh, watch some history coming up on the weekend against Croatia. Then uh, who knows what's possible against the Moroccans that. next week. Let's get one of these Arabic copies because uh, you know the, the, I'm sick of the Nescafe here. I, I need something special. I need something <laughs> authentically local. All right, great stuff with Brendan Dunlop. Make sure you check out uh, Canadian Soccer Daily. I was going through it earlier today. Some awesome coverage of uh, the World Cup, Canadian men's national team, and uh, really great to have Brendan on the program. Looking forward to doing that again with him maybe later on this World Cup and definitely in the future. Um, which brings us to our why not question of the day. Your thoughts on your takeaways from Canada's debut in the World Cup. Obviously, a one nothing loss was not the result people wanted. Um, but what's your level of optimism about this team going into the Croatia game as well as the Morocco game? Um, got to tell you, I think there's still a lot of belief that this team could be capable of some things that not a lot of people thought was possible, certainly in the qualifying stage and now as we get into it. So hit us up in the chat. If you're watching afterwards in the comments of the YouTube channel with the Why Not Question of the Day, Why Not Question of the Day brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp. And if you are thinking about an upgrade of your vehicle about get or getting a new one, before you do anything, you're going to need to head on down and see the experts at Knot over at Waverly McGilvery. Uh, and, of course, you can check them out online at Knot.ca. Amazing vehicles. And if you've got a vehicle that you're thinking about selling, um, they're the consignment experts as well. They'll take care of all the hassle of selling the vehicle and get you into a new one at a great price. Why not get into that car of your dreams at an amazing deal with the help of the Knot team? And hey, with winter here right now, if you've been sleeping on those winter tires, what are you waiting for? they got winter tire specials and the MPI payment plan. So why not get safe winter tires now 
and pay later at Not Auto Corp. Um, hey, huge Black Friday sale happening at Royal Sports. I actually tweeted it out, but go to their Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for everything that's going on. Hockey players, massive hockey stick sale with a thousands on, I believe like 50% off. Huge savings, Black Friday, Royal Sports. And don't forget, they have the best selection of Canada soccer gear. I've had a lot of people that have been commenting on some of the things that I've been wearing here in Qatar. Got it all at Royal Sports before I left. So before the game on Sunday, if you haven't already, head on down to Royal. Check out the great deals for Black Friday and get your hands on some red to support the lads as they go up against Croatia. Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And that Instagram feed that you should be following as well is at Royal Sports Pembina for all the big Black Friday sale information and the latest merchandise drops as well. And uh, hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the holiday season and next year. If you have been putting off that wardrobe upgrade now is the time to do it and heck if you've got someone in uh, in your circle that might benefit from it an f gift card a great option as we go into the holidays as well custom suits beginning at four hundred dollars custom pants golf pants and so much more shirts accessories they've got it all and of course guys if you are involved in a wedding or a wedding party coming up got a great deal that you can still take advantage of before the end of November. If you get booked in and the guys go down and get measured by the end of November, you can get a 10% discount on all of the suits and a free shirt for everybody in the wedding party savings of up to $130 for uh, per person over at F apparel. They're at 190 Smith street downtown and you can hit them up online at F that's E P H apparel.com. All right, lots to get to on uh, both of the losses yesterday, Canada and the Winnipeg Jets. One maybe a little bit better than the other. Let's bring in our guy, Brandon Rowicki, the host of Skates and Plates. Find it on your favorite podcast platform uh, to break it all down. Rowicki, what's up, man? How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay. I mean, it was a pretty rough one. and, and It's been a pretty rough week in Winnipeg sports. Tell me actually. about it. But, you know, one of the... One of the benefits for working for an American company is you get American Thanksgiving off and they're none the wiser. So I'm I'm having myself a decent day watching Bill's Lions right now and a little bit of footy as well. Um, but honored to be speaking with the deputy of Doha. That's the highlight of my day so far. <laughs> Man, this has been so much fun. As I was telling you off air, a little bit of a culture shock right now. There's a lot of things that um, are very different here. Um, but the one thing I can tell you is that the uh, the World Cup bringing people from around the world together, wherever you are, um, is something really special. It's getting me even more excited for 2026 when this tournament comes to our side of the world in North America. Hey, just before we get to the Jets, I mean, I know you've been completely dialed in. We've talked soccer before here. Um, what did you think about last night's game? What were your takeaways uh, we'll give you the why not question of the day. What were your takeaways from uh, Canada's return to the World Cup for the first th- from the first time in 36 years and what we saw from our Canadian squad going up against the number two ranked Belgians in the world? I guess optimistically devastated. Like it was it was there. That was the worst part. Like it was there for the taking. And I don't know. It, it's funny because everyone's saying shock the world. Like it could have shocked the world this and that. But, like, you watch Canada rip through. I mean, CONCACAF is one thing, but they rip through the Americans in Mexico. And Mexico is a team that's performed, at least in the group stage, very, very well at World Cups 
in the last dozen or so years against some of the best teams that that Europe and South America have to offer. So I, I don't know. I wasn't all that surprised, to be honest, at, at how well Canada played because they were going up against a, an, an older, slower Belgian squad that I, I think for the first 15 minutes completely took them for granted, right? They, they were like, hey, it's a minnow coming up here. Let's just enjoy this one and we can get out after 60 minutes without having to worry about too much. And there was a moment where Kevin De Bruyne looked over at somebody after a bad pass and he was kind of like, guys, let's let's wake the F up here because we're we're not we're not playing Malta or something like that. Like these guys are are legit. And I, I think, you know, what my, my main thoughts is kind of what the rest of Canada was saying. Probably was trending yesterday on 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 Twitter in Canada at least is, you know, we belong. That was the main thing is that Look, they, they might be FIFA rankings-wise underdogs against some of the other teams that they're going to go up against in the group stage here. But if, if Croatia thinks they're going to have it easy up against the, the 40th, whatever they're ranked right now, team on, on Sunday afternoon, they are, are sorely mistaken. They're going to be in for a dogfight. It just sucks, you know, from a Canadian perspective that, you know, <laughs> that game arguably should be a chance for Canada to book their ticket to the round of 16. Like, that's what sucks about it all is... You know, I there's a part of me that's like, hey, just be happy to be here. Da, 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 da. It's been so long. But the other part is, no, no, no. This team's good now. They're going to be great in four years. But like, let's go out and do some damage right now because they've they've shown they've got a chance against some of the some of the powerhouses out there in the world soccer stage. And, and Canada more than belongs there with them. And if they play like they did against Belgium, I'm not going to be shocked if they take three points against Croatia. No, I certainly hope that is what we'll see. And we've got to get that first goal, get that first win, and then see what is possible um, if they can get a result against the Moroccans in the final game. What did you think about the penalty by Davies? I mean, uh, listen, that Belgian goalkeeper was phenomenal um, yeah. and he showed why he's one of the best in the world. A lot of talk about, you know, maybe Jonathan David's a better penalty taker. Um, I kind of see, especially early in the game with what Alfonso means to Canada and our program, that he was the guy that John Herdman tapped on the shoulder. And if it goes in, you're a genius, but if it doesn't, you get second guessed. And then if Jonathan David goes in and blasts one into Courtois, well, what the hell? Why is Davies not taking it? He's the yeah. favorite. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's not like Jonathan David was 10 for 10 for Lil. You know what I mean? Like 9 for 12 is great and I I might have leaned towards him, but it's not like he's this, you know, like no doubt about it we put him in there, we're going to be up 1-0. I I have if you want to live and die with your best players in any sport, I'm fine with that. Like if you if you want to put it all on on the guys that got you there, then then go right ahead and do that and Alfonso Davies is is clearly the the guy that's, you know, driving the bus for Canada and has for a number of years now. So I, I have no problem with it. He hit it crabby. Like that, that's just all that's all it is. You didn't hit a good penalty. That that's that pretty much sums it up there. You know, if he he hits it even more poorly, but in the middle of the net, it, it almost doesn't matter. It's just purely a results-based decision there. But I don't have a problem with Canada. You know, if we're gonna go down, we're gonna go down with our best player. That's Davies. It didn't work this time. You know what? Would you go with them again in the next penalty? Maybe not, but I, I, if they did again, I wouldn't have a problem even if he missed it again because you're letting your best players be the ones to determine how far you go in this tourney. Hey, uh, just before we move on to the Jets, I mean, uh, how much have you enjoyed this World Cup? There's been some really, really great games. That, I mean, I'm not sure if you saw, we were down at the Fan Festival 
for the Argentina Saudi Arabia game. And that was one of the most stunning things I can remember seeing in a long, long time. And to be around so many fans from around the world uh, was something that I won't forget. And then the comeback by the Japanese yesterday against the Germans, another incredible moment that you only get from something like this uh, in the world cup. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, the upsets have been, I think the defining story so far, I mean, there's been a few blowouts as well. I'm kind of waiting for the first wonder goal. Like we haven't, we haven't had that one, like holy F moment just yet. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm waiting for that. I think it's, I think it's been, to be honest, kind of underwhelming so far. You know, like the the upsets have been great. I mean, watching Messi fall to Messi and Argentina fall to Saudi Arabia is, is an all timer. One of the biggest upsets in, in World Cup history. So that I mean, that's always great. But there hasn't I don't know. There, there just hasn't been a lot of captivating games in the sense of, you know, a three two back and forth thriller. There, there's been blowouts. There's been some tight ones, but but no last minute magic necessarily either. Japan was probably the only game that that came close to that. I think it's been okay so far. I'm I'm really intrigued. You know, it's not going to be the best game of the tournament, but just England USA Friday is going to be a blast. It's just it's just going to be a fun game to watch. I think England's going to absolutely tear the Americans apart. But man, oh man, if if, if the US somehow gets lucky and find themselves up one nil early, then all of a sudden that becomes maybe the the marquee moment of the World Cup so far. That certainly will be a game everyone will be paying attention to tomorrow. 10 o'clock local start, uh, 1 o'clock back home, England and the United States. Uh, I wanted to start off with the Canada game because I think there were a ton of positives and things that we could be optimistic and excited about. Uh, Far from it, from the Jets' performance last night, the Twin Cities against the Minnesota Wild. What was that? Yeah, I, that's a good question. What was that? I don't know. I don't know if we get an answer for you. I thought, I thought Nate Schmidt was the closest to getting a right post game, and he said we played about ten good minutes, and that's not going to be very good. I would argue you played seven good minutes, and that's not nowhere gear. I mean, it was just an awful performance by, I would say, everybody not named David Gustafson. That that's probably how I would put it. The team stunk. They were just bad. Like they were bad in every facet of the game. Um, there's really, I don't know, not a whole lot to break down in it because they were so poor and shot themselves in the foot from the opening puck drop through about the 35-ish minute mark until Kyle Connor got on the board there. And then once that happened, they shoot themselves again by taking a penalty and then the back-breaking Kaprasov goal to make it 4-1. You you hope it's a one-off. I don't know if it's any carryover from the Carolina game. The most disappointing thing for me is, you know, you have the... What I thought and, and probably still think is an anomaly of a, of a disaster class against Carolina in the final five minutes. What bothered me the most about this game against Minnesota is the main issue against Carolina carried over into this game. They were just weak as hell in front of their own net. I mean, there were some lucky bounces for sure, but I mean, you, you got to make Minnesota work for a little bit. And there was no physicality. I mean, really no effort right in front of Connor Hellebuck. It, it was really, really poor. And it's not what this team has shown basically all season long. The most, I think, frightening part is that it reminded a lot of us of how this team has played for the previous two seasons. And, and you just don't, we don't want to get into that territory whatsoever here. So I'm intrigued to see what the response is going to be in Dallas, because I think, you know, the main issue for the Jets in this one was, you know, tie somebody in front of the net. 
you know, if they're, if they're going to take a shot or a couple whacks at Connor Hellebuck, at least have them be on their asses celebrating instead of on their skates celebrating, right? That that was the biggest problem for me. It was it was just too easy for Minnesota. The Jets handed away two points in what appears to be an annual tradition of the American huh. Thanksgiving Day massacre in Minnesota. So explain this to me. Explain this to me. You've got all of these Minnesota players on the club. Yeah. <laughs> You're back there at the holidays. All of their families are at the game. Like, I would think that that would bring out the best in these guys. And yet year after year after year, the turkey has been served up by the visitors in that game around the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States when the Jets go to play the wild. Yeah, I, I don't know if family members had like the like the reversible jerseys where they just slowly like instead of the Jets, it's oh, no Minnesota, we're, we're <laughs> Minnesota fans for this one. Please don't take a look at us. I, I don't know what the reason is. It's just it seems to be the Jets walk into the lion's den and then just get their cans kicked for 60 minutes. So, I mean, maybe, maybe they get a favor done for them and they head to the West Coast next year. But next year, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you because there there shouldn't be one. This, should, this out of all the divisional games for me should be the one the Jets get up the most for, right? Like Minnesota is maybe the closest thing they have to a division rival. You know they're going to be physical. You know what kind of game they're going to play too, right? Like it's it's going to be outside of Caprizov and Zuccarello, pretty meat and potatoes. And you know if you don't want to, if you don't want to show up for sixty minutes, we're going to embarrass you. And and you would think the Jets would know better than that. Apparently they don't. I guess I don't know. Fourth times the charm next year. That's that's probably the only positive you could take out of it is maybe maybe they'll keep it within three instead of six next year. Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, the Jets need to petition to not play there in and around the Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, I know, you know, when we see the schedule every year, like, oh, my God, Fikes are playing today. What a great opportunity for Winnipeg sports fans to get down and do that. They're done with that. I, I think there's been too many. Like, listen, no I'll go more. to any other road game, but I don't want to go to that one because we know what we're expecting. And. Well, Remus blamed Wheeler's dad, actually, at the beginning of the game for not reading the lineup card well enough and getting the guys pumped up. I'm not sure whether I can go that far. <laughs> Again, he was joking. He was joking. <laughs> uh, we're, we're look, searching for answers right now because, um, you know, especially coming off that crazy game on Monday where you, know, you play great for 55 minutes, sort of gets caved in a little bit, but against a good team that's playing without with their goalie pulled, but for five minutes, unable to score on the empty net, but getting the result in overtime, huge opportunity to really build off that in a big divisional game against a team that you know is going to be hungry, chasing and looking up at the Jets at Thanksgiving, uh, but it didn't happen. And now, of course, we get the delayed return for Bones coming back to Dallas and I guess, I mean, optimistically, you'll hope that the bad taste in the mouth that the team should have from that game last night will put them in an ornery mood and ready to do what their coach is asking of them that they've done quite often this year, but certainly didn't do it anywhere close to the standard you need last night in the at XL. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if they play anywhere near the level they did against Minnesota and Dallas, then it's alarm. I think it's alarm bell time, even though the Jets are at a pretty comfy spot where they are right now in the in the division here because they're i mean that that's kind of your ultimate you know money on the board game right like bone bones is gonna toss down a little bit here the jets gotta come out and you know for a guy that's pushed all the right buttons so far and, and seems to be doing everything right like let's go win one for the gipper sort of a game the tough one though i mean the the, the jets and stars are funny the way they play it's 
Winnipeg loses in Dallas, Dallas loses in Winnipeg. And it's just vice versa, you know, time and time again, it seems to be the way these two teams play here. Um, but I, I, I just at the very least, the effort's got to be way better. Like, it's just, it's that plain and simple. You know, lineup-wise, there's not really a lot this club can do, right? They're 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 stuck with the group they have because of the injuries they've got, you know, both up front and on the back end here. And it, it kind of brings me to the, you know, the main takeaway after watching that game against Minnesota. Like, yes, obviously this team misses Nikolai Ehlers desperately for some offensive spark and creativity in that top six. But I don't know how much longer you want to wait here if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff, right? Like, at some point... If you if you if you're intent on on being a playoff team this year, your your club is is dying for help right now up front, and I think you know now would be the time to be aggressive more so than trying to to play the patient move and, and wait this thing out because you know you want to talk about not making a move while you're desperate. Well, the Jets are in a relatively good spot. They're you know last ten games or what are they like you know six and three something like that. Now's the time to go out there and make a move. Don't wait until you're all of a sudden in a three, four game losing skid and in trouble here. And then teams want to throw you an anvil instead of a life preserver. Like go out there and, and get somebody. And it doesn't have to be trade a first round pick to bring somebody in. But it just feels like this club needs a bit of a spark here because they've done so good in terms of, you know, staying above water with Ehlers being out basically all season long that I, I kind of wonder if, you know, there there needs to be some reinforcements brought in because guys are just they're being asked to do too much. And and it's not on the players themselves. They're they're doing the best they can right now. But just feels like bringing somebody in to help give a bit of a jolt would, would do this team a ton of good because offense has been kind of scarce to come by over the last little while. Hey, got to give a shout out to Tikona Polly. Tikona, thanks very much for that very generous super chat. Um, Tikona is uh, saying to you, Brandon. No more Malta bashing, please, in the chat today. <laughs> so, yes, My bad. Uh, apologies to the uh, to the great soccer team of Malta. Um, you mentioned first-round pick and what might be up for grabs um, when it comes to a trade. Of course, we focus in on the blue line. What has been interesting is to see Billy Hainla, who, um, you know, I thought acquitted himself quite well in the first game. What have you thought about Hainla um, back in the lineup um, with the Winnipeg Jets since the recall? I think he's been okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't lavish any more praise higher than that. Um, you know, I I think it's fair at this point to ultimately wonder what his ceiling is as an NHL player. Um, I, I think top pair defenseman is, is probably out of the running for for Villy at this point. It it just and it's tough for a young guy coming in too, right? Because you don't want to make a backbreaking mistake and then go back to the press box for two weeks. Like I, I I get that part of it, and and maybe you're not playing the type of game you want to because you're trying to impress the coach. But this is this is the NHL. It's just kind of the harsh reality of the, like it's 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 Darwinism to an extent too, right? Like you just got to go out there and play your game and then let the chips fall where they may. And I, I just don't think we've seen that out of Billy just yet. It's it's been he hasn't been bad through two games, but he hasn't been all that good either. Just I, I I've just been kind of wanting more from from Villy, and you could probably say the same for for Dylan Sandberg too over the last week or so. They, there's there just has been a there's been a failure to take advantage of an opportunity for for both of those guys. I think I think Sandberg's been better, you know, through his stretch of hockey so far at the NHL this season, but. Just still waiting for Billy to take that leap. And then maybe he needs a bounce offensively to go his way to kind of kickstart him and get him going. 
I think it could still provide a boost to the second power play unit right now. I, I, I think that would be a great way to kind of use and, and extract as much value out of out of Hainala as possible here. But you know, I can I can understand Winnipeg's when everyone's healthy, their their reluctance to put him into the lineup right now because if you're just going off of how well he's played, I, I don't think he's been one of the Jets' six best defensemen so far this year. You know, Brandon, um, you know, searching for some positives or some more pleasant topics to get to, um, you know, the depth of this team has really been challenged right now. I got to say, I love Mikey Isimont more every time I see him play. And, you know, you mentioned David Gustafson is the one guy was there. I'll throw Isimont in that group. Um, he, um, he's a, he makes things happen right now. I love him. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this opportunity he hasn't taken advantage of to the point that, you know, when guys do come back and the team hopefully gets close to being healthy, that he's still a viable option for Rick bonus in a lineup in a top 12, even with everyone healthy. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see myself smiling in the, in the computer here. I, I just, I love his game so much. Just a battler. He, he's a, he's a great guy to have on, on, on a fourth line. And I, I think, I think you, you might have found something there with, you know, him and Gustafson, whether it's, you know, Harkins or, or Janssen Fialbi, if you wanted to go just like your tenacious balls to the wall for check. There, there's some options there now for, for the Jets. I mean, look, I, I think Gus stirs the drink right now for that fourth line. I think he's quietly been, I would say, outstanding for the team this year. He's he's just steady as it goes. Like he's going to be a player for a for a long time for the Winnipeg Jets I really really enjoy watching him play and, and like I mentioned earlier I thought he was the only guy really going for the Jets against Minnesota uh last night but I think at the very least you know Asimont's proven that he's, he's probably the 13th forward for this team I think I, he just does a lot of things right out there and I think I think there's still like an agitator pest level of his game that he can throw out to kind of provide a little bit more value for this team he, he's just He's just a player, right? Like you watch him, you watch him out there. He's been great in the AHL. And I think when he got his chance, he's he's one of the, I think, you know, Hanela Sandberg could maybe take a, a bit of a look at him and say that that's what it looks like to take advantage of your opportunity, right? Like he's gone out there and played his game. And, and you know, for, for him, he's looked tremendous so far. And I, I, I got no problem. I got all, all day long for, for Mikey Asimon on my fourth line at the NHL level. So if the Jets want to keep him there, then I'll, I'll be smiling the rest of the season. You know, one of the other things that I think is um, something. Oh, Brazil scored. We're waiting for that. One nothing against the uh, Serbs right now. 62nd minute. And by the way, the Lions, it looks like, are actually up on the Bills right now in the uh, Thanksgiving Day Turkey game over in the NFL. Um, but as far as this week goes, a couple things that have really stood out about Rick Bonus, And we played some of the clips that, you know, the coach had to say afterwards very clearly disappointed with his club said as much in a number of different ways, addressed the team after the game, which was not something that had happened in the past. And I think was, was important, but also, and then this goes back to David Gustafson, um, basically admitting that looking back at Monday's game, he probably would do things a little differently because yeah. I have to admit, um, you know, if I'm trying to lock down a game against a team that is essentially has a power play, I'm not putting out some of the more prolific offensive players of the Winnipeg Jets. A guy like David Gustafson is a guy that I think I would be giving more ice time to than allowing to sit on the bench. And, um, you know, Bones owned it. I mean, it's so refreshing the yeah. way he's handling things. And 
you know, I think it's having an effect on the team, and it certainly is appreciated by, I think, everyone that follows this club. It was just the ultimate breath of fresh air, right? Uh, it was it was just so good to hear it. And look, players make mistakes, coaches make mistakes. Just just call it out, right? Like it's not a big deal. I, I think I think everybody was kind of in agreement there. You know, shortening the bench to that degree for that length of time, it's it's going to bite teams. And and you had a great option there in, in David Gustafson as well. You know, I I think I think everybody kind of realized that should have been the route to go to. And look, it's it's no big deal. I messed up. Won't happen again, right? Like you hope for that out of players, and then you hope for that out of coaches as well. So I, it was great. I think it goes a long way with the players too, especially with some of the comments that have happened in the past, right? Like you don't have to explain it away. You don't have to be defensive. Yeah, you know what? I, I screwed up. No biggie. Let's 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 change it up next time. And I again, I, I think Bones. That's probably the only mistake he's made all season long, right? Like it's it's been the 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 the, the autumn, the winner of bone so far, and I, I think at least you know it might not mean a lot to the team in the standings, but fan perception wise, hit it out of the park with that one. I, I, I love that. I love that. Uh, Brandon Rewicki with us from Skates and Prates on the way out. Uh, fill us in on the next S and P episode, and give me your call for Canada Croatia on the weekend. Well, I guess the easy part is first off, skates and plates dropping tomorrow morning. Just finished recording that this afternoon. So, you know, America, a little bit about the Jets wild. It, it kind of sucked talking about it. But then uh, a lot about, you know, the NHL standings at American Thanksgiving and predictions against Croatia. I guess to, to quote a wise man, F them. F them. <laughs> 2 1. Two, one. Canada scores for the first time in World Cup history, and then they score again. They can't stop scoring, and they keep it up against Morocco as well. But I, I think, look, everybody here loves Rick Bonus. I'd run through a freaking wall for, for John Herdman, and it's going to be a sad day whenever he leaves the Canadian soccer program. But I, I think he's going to have the boys ready to go, and I think we're going to see a continuation, not a letdown of what happened against Belgium. To quote the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for the W, let's get three points. Move on to Morocco in game in uh, match three of the World Cup. Brandon, have a great U.S. Thanksgiving. Enjoy the rest of the NFL action today. I'll look forward to catching up with skates and plates when it drops tomorrow, which might be Saturday by the time it comes here <laughs> in Qatar. I'm still working on this whole clock. Uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a bud zero out there for me. We'll talk soon. <laughs> right on. There's Brandon Rewicki. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter as well at Brandon Rewicki and make sure you're following and listening and downloading to Skates and Plates wherever you get podcasts. We're going to stay with the pucks. Dave McCarthy coming up in just a second. Um, again, Michael Shea spoke today. And we'll talk, probably talk more about that tomorrow on the program uh, as well as we're getting reports that Dalton Schoen will not surprisingly explore some NFL opportunities after the breakout season he had in the Canadian Football League. And when we're talking bombers, we're doing it courtesy of our friends at Princess Auto. Great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, the Blue and Gold. Already counting down the days till next season and getting back to the Princess Auto tailgate zone, which was, without a doubt, the best pregame atmosphere in the league. And, of course, the team backed it up all season long, despite falling just short of a three-peat in last Sunday's Grey Cup. Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list. Is it princess auto? 
You can also shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com or pop by one of their two local locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue uh, West. Huge thanks to Princess Auto for their continuing support of us and, of course, our Manitoba curlers. We'll get more into that now that bomber season is behind us. <clears throat> um, our friends at Culligan Water have been the water experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba for over 65 years, family-owned and uh, really taking care of anything you could possibly need when it comes to water products and services. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them in person if you'd like it. 1200 Sargent Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180. And of course, you can check them out online with everything they can do for you and your family or your business at drinkculligan.com. Well, of the many things that I've been missing here in Qatar in the Middle East, uh, the Great Taste of Canadian Club is also one of them. Would have been nice to toast our Canadians with Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey last night. That, of course, wasn't happening, but that doesn't mean that you can't do that sitting back at home watching the World Cup and, of course, getting ready for the holiday season. Nothing goes better with gatherings than Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And don't forget that Canadian Club and Ginger Ale Ready to Drinks Premix Cocktail, also available in six packs at your local beer store and at Manitoba Liquor Marts, along with the entire family of Canadian Club products. And, hey, just before we bring in Dave, don't forget, the World Cup really is just getting started. And Boston Pizza is the home of great viewing parties for action. Now, we've got a couple early games coming up. BP Keniston, BP St. Vital, and BP Pembina are going to be serving a delicious new BP brunch menu for Canada's morning games Sunday, November 27th, this weekend, 10 a.m., the big game against Croatia, and then next Thursday, Book off the morning, book off the day, get after it early. Canada, Morocco, 9 a.m. Bring your crew and cheer Team Canada at the World Cup and be entered to win awesome Team Canada jerseys from Royal Sports at every BP location. All right, let's talk a little puck and more right now with our buddy Dave McCarthy, who joins us from the GTA. Dave, greetings from Qatar. How are you? Good. I was uh, shocked to hear that you're. How long are you over there, buddy? You going like full two World weeks? Cup? Two weeks, eh? Well, so what if Canada goes on a run, finds their way to the finals? Are you going to make something happen or what? Well, I'm not sure whether that is within my abilities to do so, but I'll tell you what, I uh, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, it's been. Although after two weeks here, I think I'll probably be quite ready to get back to North America. I mean, it has yeah. been a little bit of a culture shock. I will say this, and I was telling Remo this off the air. For a place that has so many bloody rules, mm -hmm. uh, it is an absolute wild west on the roads here. I mean, huh. it is white knuckle Uber rides wherever you're going. I'm going to try and stick to some of the shuttle buses and whatnot. Uh, but anyways, it's been really cool. It was a, an all-time moment, something I'll never forget, even just singing the Canadian National Anthem before the game last night and the performance by the squad uh, acquitting themselves so well despite yeah. falling short on the scoreboard. Um, you know, I know we good, always eh? we always focus good. on on hockey, but I mean, I'm sure you're feeling it around there. There really is a unique buzz about this team, something that in our lifetimes has never really been the case for the men's side. I mean, Christine Sinclair, our girl Desiree Scott from Winnipeg, the women have done so many incredible things on a world stage. But um, yes. 
this is a fun time and you can really feel um, the growing surge of support, interest, and pride in our men's team that hasn't been there before. Yeah, I think a couple of things. Firstly, you know, Canada is a soccer country. In case this was unclear, um, it is becoming clear now. Um, but I think in a lot of cases, Canada was a soccer country the way Canada is an NFL country, right? You've got segments of, of fans scattered throughout the country that are all interested in the game, but all have their own teams because we don't have an NFL team up here in Canada. Um, and I think the same thing goes toward soccer in the sense that, um, look, there's people from all over the world here in Canada that, that follow their home countries but we've never really been able to 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 coalesce around one single unit here in Canada because we never had a team you know, on the men's side. The women have been unbelievable, and we 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 got an understanding of what Canada's like as a soccer country, thankfully through through their great work over the last number of Olympics and all that. But we never would have been able to do it on the men's side, and now um, we're seeing the entire country come together um, to support the group, and I think that's that's really really cool to see. Secondly. Um, if I'm Justin Trudeau, like I am uh, FedExing John Herdman, a Canadian citizenship, like yesterday, with the work that he's done on the women's side, now on the men's side, like how is, is, is that guy a Canadian? I don't think he is, right? Like he's he's still a, a native of, of the United Kingdom, as far as my understanding yeah. goes. Oh, yeah. You got to make this guy a Canadian. I mean, the guy's done unbelievable work. He has built a soccer program in Canada on both the women's side and the men's side that was essentially not in existence before he got his hands on it. So incredible. And then, and then number three, and look, I recognize where I'm on right now. So I'm, I know I'm rolling the dice with this comparison, but I'll say it anyway. I, I know the wound is still fresh. Who is more galvanizing? Who is more inspiring? Who is more, um, who is somebody who has more of ability to motivate? Is it John Herdman? Or Kimball Clemens, because to me that's a it's a pretty tough one to come up with an answer. Maybe not in Winnipeg, but still tough. Hey, you know what? I, I gotta say, I mean, there's uh, all of us are loving. Um, you know, we love the Canadian Football League. Uh, there's a lot of broken hearts and a lot of people that are still trying to get over that heartbreaker against uh, against the Argos. But I'll tell you what, um, it was really cool to see the way the Argos were received last night at the Raptor game, the way they were yep. treated. And for all the jokes about, you know, the Argos and their level of support, really great turnout today in uh, the uh, in the square there for their championship celebration. And, you know, I really hope that that can turn things around because that team deserves better. Uh, I think MLSC has really sort of treated them as an afterthought and, um they deserve better in the Canadian Football League for people to give it a chance or love it. We know how many people watch it on television and um, just bringing it back to the soccer. Remus just mentioned 3.3 million watching the people. game in uh, uh, on Thursday. And I imagine come 10 a.m. Winnipeg time on Sunday, we'll get similar numbers for uh, another crack at, um, you know, kind of really, truly making that mark against the Croatians who were the finalists in 2018. Hey, I'm getting to hockey for a minute. I mean, we'll talk about what's happening on the ice and yeah, some interesting things around the one, league. One question, Andrew, just before we get into the hockey, because I'm really interested. What's the, the what's the situation in terms of having an adult beverage where you are these days? Like, I know beer is banned. Can you have anything, or is that like like one of these? What? Is that is that off the radar or what? Here, what are we? Well, doing? it it is quite funny that you bring that up, Dave, because uh, I went to the game last night. 
Yeah. And as you will see right there, I uh, the seats that we've got, shout out to our friends at CoolBet, apparently were involved in a hospitality package. And I rolled into the lounge that greeted us when we got through our gate yes. to two smiling bartenders and a stocked fridge full of, they had buds, they had Coronas, one others, and uh, it was all part of the package. So last night... The beers were flowing. They will be, I assume, for the other games where we are at. Uh, but yes, out there. I will say this. The fan festival that we were at, we were there in the afternoon. I didn't see any. Apparently, they do sell them after 7 o'clock, I believe, for the night games. And there are some bars that you can get beers at. I'm sure they're very, very expensive. Um, but you know what? Hey, listen, I mean, we make a lot of jokes, and we love our 1919 here in, uh, in Winnipeg back at home. Uh, but... Hey, this is a privilege. If there's no beers, it wasn't a big deal. That being said, there was last night. It made it that much better. It was so, a really, really fun op- operation. One that seems very arbitrary too. When I when I did read the I don't know press release or whatever the news report was last week when this announcement came down, I did see that uh, in 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 one of the parts of the press release, beers would still be permitted for uh, VIP guests. VIP guests. And other notable notable attendees. So I guess that Andrew is the category uh, that you quite rightfully, my friend, fall into. Thank you, Dave. Yes, quite the Canadian soccer dignitary here in mm-hmm. Qatar with uh, with boots on the ground. Hey, um, you know, just before we kind of talk about current happenings in the league, I have to ask you, or just get your reaction or feeling what the uh, feeling is in Toronto with the uh, the news that Boria Salming passed away today. Um, I think we all remember, what was it, just a week or two ago, yeah. he was out there, I mean, really touching moments uh, before puck drop uh, where the Leafs legend was uh, welcomed back. Um, and obviously, I mean, kind of stunningly, we hear the news today that he's passed away. Uh, a, a true legend um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but also for Swedish hockey players in the NHL. Yeah, Um I I am struggling to find the words, Andrew, really, because I didn't, I mean, you knew it wasn't a good situation that Borea was in, but I did not expect this fast. Um, you know, watching the ovation that he received on, on two nights, less than two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago at Scotiabank Arena was uh, deeply moving uh, to the extent that, quite honestly, it took me the better part of the first period each night to try to refocus myself um because to me like i never i never saw boria play he was just before my time um but i still was well aware of of the giant that he was um within the family of the maple leafs um and within the country of sweden i mean he was my parent he is my parents favorite player um you know and and my mom always says, you know, she sees him on TV and, and, and she says, like, well, look what great shape he's in. Like, he could still play. And, like, honest to God, you, you thought he could. So I think that's what makes this even more difficult is because he never looked like a guy that let himself go and looked unhealthy and all. Like, he looked like an absolute specimen. Um, And, and it's just, it, it really underscores how devastating uh, the disease of ALS is um, and and just how arbitrary the whole situation is because, you know, like, poor is the guy who took care of himself and 
Oh man, I don't know. Like it's just it's really really difficult to have it to have it come so soon. I'm really glad that he was able to to be well enough to come less yeah. than a couple of weeks ago. Um, to to really one more time have it underscored to him and his family what he meant to the city, the team. Uh, you know, I was talking to a lot of the Swedish guys because obviously it was a big weekend for Sweden, right? The Hall of Fame weekend with the Sedins and uh, Alfredson going into the hall and. Um, but, but, but everybody that I talked to from Sweden said, no, like as cool as that is essentially doubling our, our membership in the hall. It was four uh, up until the three of them got in, which almost doubled it. Right. Um, the, the, the thoughts and the stories, um, were with Boria and uh, I was talking to Rasmus Sandin, uh, that weekend. And uh, of course from Sweden. And he said, you know, not surprisingly his dad, Patrick, um, growing up, Bory was his dad's favorite player. And when he got drafted by Toronto in 2018, uh, Bory invited uh, Rasmus and his dad to lunch. Um, you know, so that goes to show, uh, you know, the type of man that Boria uh, is. And, and then, two, the type of responsibility that he still felt to the organization to do his best to welcome young guys in and make them feel comfortable. And he's like, I was overwhelmed, but he said, my dad was without words. Cause here he is sitting with, with his idol. He said, it would be like me sitting, you know, with a guy like Nick Lidstrom, who he followed a little bit growing up, right? Like it's, it's on that level. So, you know, you, you just hear stories like that and um, you, you understand what Bory was all about. And then just, to have it all end so fast. I mean, I remember when I saw the announcement of the summertime of what he was what he was facing, and again, I just couldn't believe it. And now, just so fast, it really is difficult to 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 come to grips with. It's it's shocking, quite honestly. Dave McCarthy with us, NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio. Um, talking a little NHL and first remembering Borja Salming. I wanted to start off with that. Here we are, Dave. American Thanksgiving. We know what that yeah. means. Are you in the playoffs? Are you out of the playoffs? The Jets are in the playoffs. Have you been, uh, listen, last night, not without standing. That was a real stinker by the club. Um, but, man, it's been a nice start. Rick Bonus has seemingly had a real effect. I mean, what have you uh, seen? What are you hearing about the Winnipeg Jets at this point who um, have had a great start and now have their work cut out for them to stay in this playoff spot for the rest of the season? They do, but I'd much rather be facing that problem of having to try to sustain a start than a team like the Ottawa Senators, who uh, basically Ooh. won the offseason Stanley Cup, and as per usual, is season over with by American Thanksgiving. So good problem to have if you're Winnipeg. Look, coming into the year, I, I looked at the Jets as one of those real volatile situations where everything falls in, in, in their favor. I could absolutely see them being in the mix, contending and all of that. But I could also have seen this going uh, significantly south in the hurry. The The group last year was a colossal disappointment. Let's just call a spade a spade, right? Coming into the year, um, their expectations were sky high. I thought Kevin Cheveldayoff did a really good job, not this summer, last summer, right, of going out and getting Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon to solidify the blue line. And I thought up front... Um, the group, not the most talent, right? Like, not the, the best talent. You don't want to make David or Dreisaitl prowling around. But 1 through 12 in their forwards, just really, really good depth. And it just didn't work. Just didn't work. And then to see the news late in the summertime that they were stripping Blake Wheeler of the captaincy, I thought, like, that's 
really rolling the dice. That's a move that it could work, but it could also turn a sour situation, what I thought was a sour situation, toxic. Well, everything so far has fallen their way, save for Nick Ehlers and his situation being out for an extended period of time. Look, Kyle Connor hasn't even really been Kyle Connor yet, and they're still in a good position. So that's that's good news. Um, and and right now, like, am I surprised? No, because like I said, I liked their team a year ago, and and really it was essentially the same team coming in. So it's just funny eh, how um, 365 days without really any movement can can significantly alter expectations. Like, why should they be low this year and high the year before? It's essentially the same team. You know what I mean? Um, but this year, they're they're playing to what I thought their capabilities were at the beginning of last season. Now, like you said, it's it's can they sustain it? But um, I like what I've seen from them, by and large, here through uh, 18 games or so. Uh, the Oilers, on the other side of things, are uh, basically at 500, 10 and 10 outside of the playoff line right now. How concerned should people be in Northern Alberta about uh, the plight of the Oilers after that great playoff run they had and very high expectations going into this season? Uh, I wouldn't say um, panic, but I would say since we're on video right now, this would be my look about the Oilers. Hmm. Right? Like that kind of... <laughs> hmm. Because it hasn't gone the way it it thought it might at the beginning of the year where I really thought it was going to be Edmonton Calgary and then everybody else. I thought Vegas would be a, a top three team um, as well, but, but the third team. Um, and then I thought the Kings would likely be the wild card team coming out of the, uh, the Pacific hasn't gone that way. So look, they've got a lot of talent right now in Edmonton. I'm not panicked. But they got to start to to get things heading in the right direction here. Like, you know, Toronto has over the last uh, 10 games or so after a, a poor start. And like Pittsburgh has um, over the last really two weeks after a, a bit of a poor start. Like Edmonton needs to get a stop. Stuart Skinner, I think, is wrestling away the number one job from, from Jack Campbell right now. And they're in a position where, you know, they don't have the luxury of trying to help him find his game. They need to put the guy between the pipes to stop and a puck most off because they need W's as as the coach of the, the other hockey team in Alberta down the road a little bit likes to say W's, right? They need W's in Edmonton and Calgary for that matter as well. But um, yeah, I think they're going to be okay because I'm, I'm still interested to see if Seattle can sustain the start that they've gotten off to. I, they might, but I think Edmonton's going, you know, like if, would you would you be surprised, Andrew, if we turn around in in three weeks and Edmonton has rolled off a you know a six two and one stretch? Like no, I also wouldn't yeah. be surprised either. But you know it, it's time to show me now. They, they're dealing with some injuries themselves. Yamamoto, obviously Evander Kane, but look, every team's dealing with injuries. The Leafs are missing their top three D men right now, so can't really use that as an excuse. Um, They've just got to find a way to start putting some W's together and they need to make it happen sooner than later. Because if you go another three weeks and, you know, say instead of going six, three and one or whatever, they go, you know, like, like two, five and math on the fly here, two, five and two, you know, then you're starting to dig a hole, which can be tough to get out of at that point. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Kraken. Here's one for you. Um, what is more of a surprise or maybe more sustainable, the Seattle Kraken spot in the standings 
or what the New Jersey Devils have been doing, mm. notwithstanding the screw job they apparently got last night, <laughs> at least according to Devils fans, at the hands of the Leafs, where their 13-game heater was snapped on home ice. Well, the first goal should have counted, right? Like, in the Leafs-Devils game, first goal should have counted. I think the other two were the right call. But anyway, you know, you can't hang your hat on that. The Leafs had some tough calls go against them with uh, with reviews earlier on in the year. Uh, to me, that's like Seinfeld, right? Like, at the end of the day, you come out even, right? You win some, you lose some 82 games, you come out even. So, come on now. Um, the Kraken is the answer to your, your question. I'm not surprised. like. Nobody thought the Devils were going to win 13 in a row, but I thought the Devils would be a good team this year. I think what happened last year is that the position that they were in in the standings got, um, it got over-exaggerated. They used like seven goalies. They you couldn't get a stop. Um, everybody got hurt. And because of that, they they just didn't have a hope. But it, like, let's put it this way. Say the goaltending was even adequate last year. Maybe they finished like 12 or 15 points out of a playoff spot, not 32 or whatever it was. And then this year, they take another step forward, and they're in the mix. You know, okay, that, that kind of follows the arc, right, of, of, of what you'd expect out of the Devils. As they go through their rebuild, they accumulate young players, get some experience, they start to take a step, and then, you know, they take that next step toward competitiveness. So... I don't think it's essentially as 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 blatant as it seems going first from worst. I just think they were worse in the standings last year than they appeared to be, if that makes sense. Uh, I thought the Kraken would have a chance to stay in the mix, but he, they had to show me. Now, they're still going to have to show me more, but if you look at Seattle, they their their strategy is is, I think, similar to let's say the blues from a few years ago, maybe even I put the jets in that category. They don't have like elite of the elites, but they've got a lot of very good players throughout their lineup and they're all playing to their capabilities right now. Martin Jones has been a, a godsend in, in Seattle because Philip Grubauer has turned into another one of these guys that, uh, you know, he, he plays from, from time to time and oftentimes not at all. Like, I mean, it's, they should sell the games that he plays. They should sell tickets in Seattle and just be like, come see this guy put on the gear, like very rare occurrence. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> not to make light of it, but like ultimately they paid the guy an awful lot of money and he, he's never healthy. So, you know, thank God they went out and signed Marty Jones because without him, who knows where they'd be. Um, so to me, the answer is the Kraken. I'm not surprised that the Devils are in the mix. I'm surprised they won 13 in a row, but I think they're, they're a, quality young team they're they're playing with pace they're playing with tempo they're playing with structure uh i like a lot of what i see from the new jersey devils and i think we'll call it right here we're at american thanksgiving my decision desk has ruled andrew um with only 25 percent of the polls so to speak reporting the devils are in the playoffs this year well you know what? i was going to mention that i mean like listen they are 16 and 4 they are clear eight points clear of the playoff line just in their own division right now um I, it would take a pretty huge collapse for them not to be in the playoffs and um you know hey you win 13 in a row in an 82 game season you're well on your way to doing it they've been a great story so far this year uh hey you mentioned the leafs blue line decimated right now the jets forward group banged up no nikolai ehlers morgan Barron, mason appleton all long term 
Um, we've Dude. been talking about potential of a playoff coming up uh, or a trade, I should say, very soon. Uh, well, back, we've been talking about it for months. It seems like maybe the time to pull a trigger on a deal with the Jets position of strength, which is that blue line for a forward. Um, whether it's Winnipeg, Toronto, what are you hearing via trade wins around the league? And what are the teams that you're paying attention to when you're doing the show on Sirius XM about potential deals in the league? Yeah, it's it's just so difficult to make deals of significance right now because so many teams, especially that are are competitive and you know, you think they might need to augment their roster due to injury, are right up against the cap. So it's very difficult to make a trade of significance where you're bringing money in. It's essentially got to be money in, money out. Very difficult in season. Leafs made a minor deal on what are we today, Thursday, Wednesday. Uh, by picking up Connor Timmons, he's expected to join the team in Minnesota, and, and and he may well end up playing on Friday against the Wild because Jordy Ben is now hurt in Toronto, who had played very well since coming back into the lineup himself. So, you know, call it now four defensemen that the Leafs are down. Um, do they make a move of more significance? The, the tough part is, like, P.J. Brody's coming back, right? Morgan Riley's coming back. Uh, Jake Muzzin? unlikely unlikely so you might have his five and change to work with on ltir but he's going to get reassessed at the end of february right around the trade deadline and i think what you'll see then is that if it's decided he's not coming back this year and kyle dubas will have an opportunity at the deadline to put that money to use so i don't see a trade of, of significance in terms of bringing in significant money now, I think they're going to try to, to get through um, the next period of time with what they have, bring in Connor Tim and see if he can he can play a role. You know, TJ Brody, hopefully within a week or 10 days, will get back. And then Morgan Riley, you know, hopefully by what are we here, you know, just after Christmas, hopefully. Um, you know, you're, you're asking uh, Mark Giordano and uh, Rasmus Sandin, especially Timothy Lilligren, those two young guys, especially. Um, Justin Hall, um, you're asking, like, you know, give give me 15 games. Like, find a way to get us through 15 games. For a guy like Rasmus Sandin, I was talking to him again the other day. I'm going to be talking to Rasmus a lot these days. But, um, you know, I said, look, you know, you never want anybody to get hurt. But let's be honest here. It's the opportunity that you've been craving for a long, long time, the NHL, to show the player that you feel you can be. He said, it is, right? So he said, now it's on me to – to make sure that I take advantage of it. He said, look, if, if people are, are, are not hurt and in the lineup, he said, if I'm playing good, I'm still going to get, you know, another couple of minutes a game. So uh, it's not like, oh, well, now everybody's out. Now I want to play good. No, no, no. He's trying to play good all the time. But look, now he's going to get top power play minutes. He's, he's going to play more minutes at even strength. You know, he might be called upon on the kill from time to time now. Um you know, you, you held out in the, in the offseason. Hold out is not the right word. You, you played hardball you, in the offseason with your contract uh, because you feel you're, you're a good player. Well, now you get that opportunity. You're going to get it for, you know, probably like a month here, right? Month, six weeks. So that's a good amount of time. If you don't show it then, then maybe the answer is, well, maybe you're not quite as good as you think you are. So we'll see. Good opportunity for Rasmus Sandin to really, really take advantage um, and that's sort of see how I see the Leafs navigating the next uh, month or six weeks. I see it internally. I don't see a move of consequence 
um, at this point in time. Well, and that's and that's bringing it back to the Jets for a minute. That is, I think, why you know the Winnipeg Jets certainly have more options because um you know they aren't in the cap crunch that many of those other teams have. And they actually have the ability to take on some salary if they want. Um, and I'm sure that those phones are ringing. Whether something happens, I guess, remains to be seen. Dave, great to have you on the program. Props on the beautiful Christmas. You got the tree up already. Mm. The uh, the staircase is done. I mean, you're ready to go for the holiday season. And now it is pretty much upon us with American Thanksgiving here. And uh, let's hope that decision desk, even with only 25% of the polls reporting, has the Winnipeg Jets getting into the playoffs as yeah. well. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Let's do this again soon. Not quite sure the decision desk can rule us confidently on the Jets, but uh, we'll we'll reconvene in a few weeks and see how it's playing out. I hope for the good people of Winnipeg that they find a way into the playoffs. Yeah, we're fingers crossed right now. It's been a great start to the season, though, and we'll see if they can bounce back tomorrow in the delayed homecoming for Bones going back to Dallas in a big matchup with the first-place Dallas Stars. Dave, thanks for doing this, buddy. See you, buddy. There it is, Dave McCarthy. Follow him on Twitter at Dave A. McCarthy. And uh, you can check out his work work at NHL.com. And, of course, listen to the Sunday Brunch, talking NHL over at Sirius XM NHL Radio. Now, uh, listen, we've been hearing all the beer cracks and whatnot in relation to the uh, the World Cup. The one thing I can tell you for the beer lovers and beer drinkers, and, of course, it goes great with a big game, especially something like the World Cup, uh, is that even with what they were serving yesterday was welcome. Uh, it's nothing like the real thing. And that, of course, is Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, heading into the weekend and, of course, the holiday season. Pop down and see them at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue. Check them out on online as well as all their social feeds for some of the great events they're putting on. Uh, you can go down, try all the great Little Brown Jug offerings for the holidays at the Brewery and Tap Room or you can pick it up at your favorite local beer store, the Good Times Variety Pack, and, of course, the flagship 1919. And uh, don't forget, citywide delivery also available for those of you that don't want to take on the roads and great merchandise as well available at Little Brown Jug and the website that might be a great stocking stuff or a gift for the beer lover in the family. Big thanks to Little Brown Jug for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, as well as our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. You know them well. They've been with us from day one on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Blizzards, burgers, chicken fingers, and more. And don't forget to add a DQ ice cream cake for your next party or family gathering. And you can hit them up on Instagram if you like, at DQ Manitoba. Let them know exactly what you want. They'll custom make a DQ ice cream cake for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right. We've got a couple more things to get to before the end of the program. Let's get Remus back in here, and we'll get to the cool bet lines. And I would just like to announce that we are back. Brazil has scored two goals. Jake Boland Moss and myself have been doing a daily exclusive on the cool bet page and the Doha double cashes today, two to one. We needed Portugal and Brazil to combine for three goals. Getting a little nervous there at the end of the uh, first game with just the one on the pen, uh, penalty from Ronaldo end up getting a couple more Brazil pops to we cash check out the cool bet exclusives daily for our latest offering with a really nice number from the folks at cool bet. And if you have not used the promo code 
You, and you haven't played there before. Use the promo code WST when you sign up. On your first deposit, you get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks over at CoolBet.com. Uh, let's get to the games. We'll get to the uh, the lines right now. we got a couple more NFL games today. We can tell you a bit of a thriller in this first one. The Bills get it done on a last-second field goal by Tyler Bass. Josh Allen doing a little Patrick Mahomes, maybe not a touchdown, but they didn't have a lot of time. They got into field goal range. They get the win. Bills move to 7-3 and three in the AFC East. And the Lions on a bit of a heater going into today. Hang tight against a really good Buffalo team, but do not fall just short. But again, good teams win, great teams cover. Lions have been doing a lot that lately. Uh, they can be proud of where they are at right now. As far as the rest of the games, still have some time to get in a wager on this afternoon's game. Cowboys and Giants. Giants 10-point underdogs going up against Dallas. And the New England Patriots are plus two and a half at even money. The Minnesota Vikings, after that thrashing at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys last uh, last week, two and a half point favorites. Primetime Kirk Cousins, you know what that means. That being said, I think I still like the Minnesota Vikings. Full slate of World Cup action as well uh, for tomorrow. We've got the Wales, Iran, Qatar, Senegal, Netherlands, Ecuador, and England, USA. And a little tease, I do believe our Doha double tomorrow is going to be Netherlands to win and over two and a half goals in the England-USA game. We'll get a nice number for you. Check out the Cool Bet exclusives. All the NFL numbers are up. Uh, the, my award-winning picks against the spread for NFL Sundays will be on tomorrow's lock shop. 29 and 15 so far against the spread. Allow me to bury Horowitz myself. It might not last long, so I need to take advantage of it. Again, all the lines at Cool Bet, as well as tomorrow's Winnipeg Jets Dallas Stars game will be up there as well. Let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, man, what a sigh of relief. I've been keeping my eye on this Brazil game, and to see that two beside Brazil was a, uh, a nice boost because we were all over that Canada game yesterday and probably deserved a bit better of a result, but... Uh, you know, when it comes to making a wager, you either win or you lose. We took the L yesterday, but back in the win column today. All right, I got the uh, Lions-Bills game here, and it is a Thanksgiving tradition watching the Lions lose every year this year, and yet heartbreaking fashion uh, again. So nice. Hey, the U.S. Thanksgiving, World Cup, uh, NFL. No NHL today, but there is a lot going on that we're all uh, keeping track of here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a real fun show. Um, Hacksaw is going to jump on with us. We'll also have Ken Weeb from the road. And I believe Weeb and Billick are actually going to be at this Cowboys game this afternoon. I was texting with Ken a little earlier. They were looking to jump on some tickets on an off day. Uh, and of course, we'll have the latest on the Jets getting ready for that game and much more heading into the weekend. And of course, World Cup talk, and um, you know we're still counting down to Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Winnipeg time, when Canada gets back on it against the Croatians after last night's heartbreaking loss to the Belgians. Although a great, great performance by our Canadian team. Anything else on your list there, Remo? Before we're uh, done for the afternoon? Yeah, Mike O'Shea uh, speaking today. I mean, still trying to like, I don't know, like. I want to say put this loss behind you, but I don't think you can do that. Just coming to terms with what happened on Sunday. Um, and then, of course, Mike O'Shea's contract. We actually did have some, yeah, some bombers uh, signing here. Pat Newfeld, I think you mentioned it, uh, signed for another year. Uh, they just put out that press release. So 
they got a long list of free agents, but here you want if you want, we can end on this clip from from Mike O'Shea just talking yeah, about Yeah, let's hear from the coach. I'm actually curious what he had to say because uh I think we're we'll gonna be talking about this for a while, as painful as it is, and painful as it is seeing the the actually legitimate crowd at Maple Leaf Square for the Argos Grey Cup celebration. But here's uh, O'Shea talking about Sunday. Along with this one, Sting. Uh, Since you don't have another one to get it out of your mind. The truth of that, that answer to that is forever. Yeah. We, the the group that has been fortunate enough or been a big part of winning. 2019 and 2021, they will remember 2022 probably more vividly than 19 and 21. That is the unfortunate part of sport, yeah. is we are stuck with this forever. And that's what drives guys nuts. So, yeah. It's hard to shake that. It will be hard to shake that. But that's, we all know that. I can remember missed tackles in big games more than I remember the celebration after big games. Yeah. Absolutely. So we know that getting into it, it's the crappy part. One of the crappy parts about this business is unfortunately we will hang on to that way longer than we will the successes we've had, yeah. which stinks for the players. Wow, what a what a quote from uh, from Coach O'Shea forever, and he's not wrong. Um, you know, I know there's probably some Bomber fans that uh, are normally with us daily that are taking a few days off from the live WST show because they're still not over the game. And you know, as we talked about with Brandon, it has been a tough, it has been a really tough week for Winnipeg fans with the loss in the Grey Cup and. Obviously, a real ugly one for the Winnipeg Jets last night. That being said, there's a new tomorrow, another opportunity to get back in the wind column against the Dallas Stars. We'll be all over it tomorrow on the program. And uh, I think a lot of optimism after the loss for our men's national team yesterday here in Qatar at the World Cup. The better days are ahead, and that day is Sunday against Croatia. Um, huge thanks to everyone jumping with us here live today. Hit that thumbs up if you wouldn't mind. Give us a like, help us spread the channel. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Tomorrow on the program, Hacksaw's going to jump on, as I mentioned, Ken Weeb, the return of marbles, our first Qatari marble race. Maybe we'll get a special course for that. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. More on the World Cup as well, heading into the weekend with Canada playing game number two here in Qatar at the World Cup. Big thanks to Dave McCarthy. Obviously, always love having Brandon on the program. And Brendan Dunlop, if you missed that earlier on, if you popped in late, get to the start of the program or the first guest. He was awesome. He got a chance to introduce the Canadians yesterday at the World Cup, which I know was a big thrill for him. And check out the website, CanadianSoccerDaily.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at CanSoccerDaily. Great, great site. Tons, tons of coverage of Canada at the World Cup, which I think you will enjoy. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. It's now Friday in Doha. Have a great night, everyone, and we'll see you later on today or tomorrow, if you know what I'm saying. Getting ready for the big weekend. Hockey, football, and of course, Canada at the World Cup. It's all coming up on tomorrow's Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk, not to mention the Marble Race. Thanks so much to all the sponsors and to you for making us a part of your day. We'll catch you then right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down.
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.